Before we begin today's episode, we would like to thank our sponsor, Swanshaw, the UK's finest purveyor of kitchens and shop fronts alike. Please consider visiting Swanshaw on Instagram. You can find them under at Swanshaw. Now to today's episode. Good evening and welcome back to The Therapy Files. We are finally back after a period of hiatus and I'm of course here with my dear colleague Callum. How are you Callum? I'm all good, thank you Craig. I'm happy to be back. Uh, it's been a bit manic hasn't it this last few months so it's nice to be back recording and uh, this yeah. time we are not in person, we are over Zoom but that's not because of COVID, just for logistic reasons. Yes, although COVID cases are rising. Yes, yes, which is very worrying isn't it? It is, yeah. So, talking about invisible illnesses which um, appear in the body, linking it to COVID there. We are going to actually talk about invisible disabilities today and illnesses Definitely. and why they're important because this is going to be the bookend to one of a mini series, isn't it? Um, so we started a mini series recently and we got good success from it. We've had some good people and good feedback and we thought it was about time that we look at the hidden and invisible disabilities. Yeah, it's, it's very important. It's very important, yeah. isn't it, Craig? Because we, we've done a lot on kind of, of disabilities as a whole, but we haven't really touched on ones that don't hit, you know, sure. the non-visual disabilities and uh, it's very important isn't it that, that everybody has a voice in this and mm. yeah we need to get on with this don't we we do we do so I suppose we should start with invisible disabilities what are they mm. what are they Craig well I'm glad you asked thank you Carol. <laughs> invisible disability is an impairment i.e. physical psychological and social that is not visible to the naked eye so anything that could be related to sensory impairments arthritis post-concussion syndrome chronic pain dyslexia dyscalculia mental health problems digestive issues autism adhd mini disease or epilepsy just as some absolutely. examples and that's just um, some uh dear listener there are absolutely thousands aren't there Craig? There's, there are so many yeah there really are and i think perhaps there's probably more hidden disabilities than physical and definitely visible definitely. disabilities um, and to be honest we'll go through a couple of those a little bit later in the episode definitely so, i think i think what's what's interesting craig as well is that um, it's not something that's really spoke about massively it is it is touched on but i wouldn't say in a huge amount is the amount of discrimination that people with invisible illnesses face isn't it it's it, with invisible yeah. disabilities it's massive and we talk about you know ableism and disabledism you know we, we discussed that but the first thing that comes to mind is somebody with a physical disability when you think of that we don't straight away think of the invisible do we sure we absolutely don't we don't um i've seen this image floating around over the interweb and it's um, basically like silhouette of a, of a man standing and it says not all disabilities are visible and there's sort of a shadow of the disability logo instead of a shadow of a man yeah. it is a shadow of the disability logo so it just yeah. goes to show that not all disabilities is visible and really if anything if you take anything away from this episode dear listener we'd like to educate you here at the therapy files we need you to realize that disability isn't just a visible thing i.e no. it's not always something that you can see it yeah. is always hidden as well it's not not to be punning on you there, Craig, or using you as like a, a zoo animal. I'm certainly not, but it's not always the guy in the wheelchair, is it? No, no, it's not. No, no, it isn't. And uh, later throughout the episode, we'll probably go and through our own invisible disabilities and we'll share some of our own experiences as well. Yeah, and that's really good. I uh, think, Craig, well, that's the other thing, isn't it? It's sometimes people can have physical and invisible disabilities at the same time, can't they? They can. They can very much. Uh, so you mentioned discrimination. Mm. And I think, you know, that that's the next sort of all, really. Do you so want me just... to read this or do you want to? 
Yeah, by all means, adding it. Okay, so obviously people with invisible illnesses are frequently discriminated against by the wider populace as they are viewed as being mistrustful and non-forthcoming about their disability. Under the Equality Act 2010, it is illegal to be discriminated against because of your disability. Disability is considered as one of the nine protected characteristics. Now, again, this is very key. This also counts for an invisible disability, not just a physical yeah, one. It really does. When I'm talking about the nine characteristics of the Equality Act, it covers things like disability, sex, sexual orientation, race, gender, marriage. Go on, Craig, you can do this. Pregnancy <laughs> and maternity. And also, what's the last one? God, I cannot remember. Sex, as in like gender, i.e. penis sure. and vagina kind of thing. I've got that. And sexual, uh, sort of like... Orientation? No, not orientation. Um, sexual reassignment as well. Okay, yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. That's the Absolutely. one I was thinking about. Sexual um, reassignment. And also, also very like, essential. Yeah, and civil partnerships as well. Um, and I, it always makes me wonder, why do they not consider? Because pregnancy and maternity is one. Why is maternity not considered? Yeah, and I think that comes under again. It comes back to that toxic masculinity, doesn't it, Greg? It's very yeah. important. And um, we are looking to do an episode on kind of men's mental health surrounding you know becoming a parent and it's something that you know as a father I'm very interested in, in doing myself I've just written it down now actually interesting how you were saying that I think it's very important that we do give men a voice in this because obviously of course uh, the woman should always take priority um, in that situation of course I'm not yeah. you know I'd never say it say otherwise but it's very important that men are also supported and do have their do have their rights in that as well isn't it absolutely it is it really is um, and even though I completely failed to <laughs> name the whole of the, the nine <laughs> characteristics the point is that there are certain characteristics by law that should avoid or not be discriminated yeah. against in the sense that if you are discriminated against you could well have a law case and take it to court if you feel that strongly so, absolutely yeah just for the purposes of the record Callum has just brought some pizza into you and I am Ow. curious I'm so sorry I'm curious what flavour is it it is mushroom mushroom fungi well did you hear about the mushroom he was a fun guy oh brilliant you're not even a dad yet and you're already making dad jokes of course I'm uncle you've been spending too much time around your dad haven't you? been around your dad too much haven't you 24-7 Mal's rubbing off on you <laughs> oh. if you wouldn't dear listen Mal is li- great dad Mal is literally a big kid isn't he right? he is unfortunately wonderful <laughs> man but a big kid yeah very much so so anyway back to reasonable adjustments uh, reasonable if you adjustment. want to read that out yeah reasonable adjustments are really important so under the Equality Act 2010 again individuals are entitled to support for both visible and invisible disabilities if employed the employer should tailor the job around what an individual can do rather than what they cannot do. There is a government service in the UK that supports individuals with disabilities in the workplace, and this is called the Access to Work Scheme. They can fund things like specialist equipment or access to taxis to take you to and from work where needed. But they can also support with hidden disabilities using companies such as Able Futures, which is the one of the companies that they have employed to provide mental health support and resources to individuals with mental health issues. And they can give you access to mental health professionals for nine months at no cost to you yourself while you are working and that, I think that's really important because the mental health support worker can give you tips on like planning strategies on how to cope sort of like tips on how to have difficult conversations yeah. or how to declare your own disability and it's worth noting that some people don't feel that their disability is significant enough Absolutely. and they don't really declare it it's very worrying isn't it Craig yeah it is 
It is. And there's also other services like Remploy that offer the same mental health support service to those in work. And there's also a nice big shout out to your former employer, Health Assured. Mm, absolutely. Hey, Health Assured. Yeah, Health Assured are really good. They're pretty nice. Um, and I'm sure that most of you listening to this now will be working for companies that have things like employee assistance programs. And Health Assured is one of those. So they're important things like that. Well, the ones are like Pam, aren't they, Craig and uh, Booper. There's a few. There's a few. Actually, oh, yeah. There? Yeah, there is. There is also the Shout Service, which is 2825. I need to know that number from January because I'm volunteering for them. <laughs> uh, so if the number's not right, I do apologise. <laughs> but basically, the point is that there are some legal requirements around reasonable adjustments. And if a reasonable adjustment isn't made, be it for a physical or a mental, social or hidden disability, then there could be a, a law issue at hand or at stake. And people often assume that because there is a visual element to a disability, that they can only be disabled if the disability is is visually present, i.e. somebody can see it. Mm -hmm. Um, And they therefore, if there's nothing visually wrong with somebody, people tend to assume that they're a fully functioning individual. So it's sort of like the idea of the broken arm versus depression, Mm -hmm. i.e. the broken arm or the broken leg. If you see somebody with a broken arm or broken leg, you would ideally open the door for them, Mm -hmm. you know. You would offer support um, where possible. And yet society sort of thinks that there's not really a need for support with depression. And when I say society, I know there are a number of people out there that do believe in depression, primarily because they've experienced it or any other mental health issue. But the point is, it's not visible. It's not visible. Absolutely. So you can't touch it. You can't see it. You can't. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that that kind of, for myself, Craig, I was, you know, I was reading the book, uh, Primeless by um, Davis Lloyd and Swan 2020, which is called The Invisible Disability. And um, them and Harold 2014 also, they did a book called Invisible Illness, Coping with Misunderstood Conditions. They said that people with invisible disabilities are often forced into positions to prove they are in fact disabled or indeed prove that they can do their job in the first place. And that's not just in the workplace as well. That, that can be in our private life. Well, it's almost like saying, hey, no, I am actually disabled. You know, you might not be able to see it, but I am. Um, and there's something quite discouraging about that because I suppose if, if you think about this like a long term a person shouldn't have room to see the disabled should they in any aspect of life it should be just taken at face value you know yeah. what I mean yeah but I mean I added the uh, sort of words in parenthesis or indeed prove that they can do the job in the first place yeah. so one, one example that I can give for that as somebody with a physical disability which is noticeable and also as somebody with a hidden disability that is not noticeable I have often felt that when I'm working I have to do almost 10 times more than the ordinary employee Mm -hmm. simply just to prove that I am capable. Mm -hmm. It's not necessarily in this specific job or my last job, um, but in general, I always feel that I have to compensate for things in some way. Maybe that's, maybe I need to work on that internally. Something about almost like having to go above and beyond, right? Yeah, yeah. I want sort of my disability not to hold me back or to have to be the reason that I'm not able to fulfil quotas or things like that. And I just think, you know, it's tough for people with disabilities in the workplace or even in the world really whether it's physical or invisible you know Um, absolutely it's tough for people and we don't know what people are living with if you think about it everybody no No, you're absolutely right i think that you know looking at kind of the stats that we've got you know there are seven billion people in the world and a billion people worldwide live with some kind of disability um according to the world health organization who uh, and one u.s survey found that 74 percent of those with disabilities don't use a wheelchair or any 
anything else that might visual signal of their impairment to the outside world. It's, an, it's a difficult one, isn't it, Craig? Because again, we, we, it's like you said before, it's that word being qualified as disabled, isn't it? The word is a loaded one and many feel that the term does not really apply to them, especially if their condition is not visible to outsiders. And it, again, it comes back to that, that idea that invisible illnesses are not worthy enough to be classed as disabled, isn't it? Mm-hmm. But it, even for those who legally qualify as being disabled, the word can be quite a heavy one. And of many, course. many do feel that the term does not apply to them, mm-hmm. uh, especially if the condition's not visible to outsiders. Absolutely. So they yeah. might feel that they're not allowed to, for example, use the disabled name mm-hmm. if they haven't got um, a blue badge here in the yeah. UK. And yes, that's true. You're not really allowed to use the disabled bay without your blue badge. However, there are people in the world, like 74% of those, who have an invisible disability that are probably entitled to use a blue badge. And mm-hmm. I've noticed that even in the past, I have I've I've sort of wondered why able-bodied people are using uh, the blue the blue badge phase yes. and reflecting on that, you know, because you have to do a lot of personal work in counselling and training sure. and all of that. It's made me think I need to be a little more um, understanding of sure. yeah. able-bodied people who park in those days. Sure, because there's something about Craig as well, isn't it, that we make assumptions about people for starters. And the other thing is a person, if they park in that bed, they don't owe you their story, do they? Do you no, know what I mean? They don't not. have to go into detail. I think we have to be very honest and, and open to the fact that actually disabilities are not always physical or they're not always psychological or they're not always visual. They're sometimes somewhere beneath. Do you know what I mean? Things like autism, for example, you know, mm. ADHD, you know, all those kinds of things. It doesn't mean it doesn't mean that the person has to have something physically wrong with them. And we have to be, like you say, I suppose, some, like you say that, I guess some discrimination. I know, you're not, I know you're not discriminatory, but what I mean is I suppose some of that kind of, those attitudes maybe do come from disabled people also, don't they? Yeah, because perhaps the idea that disability is only visible is a problematic one, even for sure. people with disabilities. Unless you live with an invisible disability, you might not necessarily realise that an invisible disability is a valid thing. Um, Definitely. And we had some stats here. And I did do you, want, do you want me to go first or do you want me to go first on this one? Uh, you can go first on it if you like. So I'll read the first one. So yeah, about the stats. It's like 39% of the general public think people who can walk should not be allowed to park in disabled parking bays despite displaying a valid blue badge. And that touch on what you just said there, doesn't it, Craig? Mm-hmm. Uh, 18% think that people with visible difficulty walking and a valid blue badge but no wheelchair should not be entitled to use a disabled parking bay. And That's again, shocking. Again, that. that um, but it's ableism, isn't it, Craig? And it's that thing again of, yeah. again, it, particularly things like mental health not being validated, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. You know? And, you know, actually, when I was looking for these stats, I actually struggled to find stats around yeah. hidden disabilities. Well, that's um, it all, doesn't it? it? It does, kind of. I mean, I didn't search specifically by condition. I just put in Google invisible disability statistics and not a lot yeah. came up. Yeah. Uh, so maybe I need to search by the individual condition. But, but it's know. still worrying though because Google's a huge uh, search engine, isn't it? And it there's is stuff really. on there. That is quite, that's quite that's quite turning, isn't it? Yeah. So the study also revealed that London is one of the least tolerant, tolerant areas of invisible disabilities. He's looking well, at you, Boris. Well, the northeast of England is more tolerant. You know? That's interesting. Um, good old um, uh, good old Geordies now yes. looking after us why well, yeah, I man <laughs> indeed I've offended any Geordie people <laughs> and it also found that females were more tolerant than males and the least tolerant age or demographic of people were age 65 plus which it's interesting that Craig isn't it because I, sp- yeah. I suppose and I'm certainly not saying generalising here but I suppose that goes again back to the generational thing doesn't it of mental health back then for example wasn't tolerated people were very much put away in asylums it wasn't talked about you know there's no 
such thing back then as well I'm sure there was but there was no such thing back then in terms of a discussion of terms of ADHD and autism and you know I, I suppose again that comes from the Matthews of the older generation doesn't it mm, it really does it really does and hopefully we will see some change in that as we start to become the older generation well we are a very aging we're an aging population as well aren't we in, in, in particular I know it varies but in England we've got quite an older generation haven't we mm, we have we have you know, but I think what, the other bit you put on there but go on. I, I, I meant that when we become the elder generation hopefully that statistic of tolerance will have disappeared because we'll have, sure. we'll have you know become tolerant because of the people that we are and the people that we grew up to be so sure. to speak the things that we do uh, so yeah but also interestingly I found that less than 8% of disabled people in the UK use a wheelchair less than yeah. 8% that surprises me um, well, that's as a bit old doesn't it as well as a wheelchair user myself that does surprise me mm. not a lot is it really it's in, in, I mean it's, it's you know in terms of interview you know the math it shows that invisible disabilities are leading in terms of what, what people have but yeah it's probably the most least tolerable one isn't it mm, mm, yeah it really is and um, it is the international symbol for disability isn't it the yeah and is that right or wrong Craig I suppose, I suppose you know I'm, there's no right kind of guess right or wrong answer to this but it's something about toilet signs need to not just have people with wheelchairs on them don't they that's true that's true but you know as I've said previously like something that really really bugs me about the international symbol for disability is that the individual in the wheelchair is static yes absolutely not moving not moving yet while well, it's a physical disability there are also individual I'm sure I had more notes on this did I not put it in don't know. Okay. I was talking about sort of the, the sunflower lanyard program that's been brought up in the UK for example mm-hmm. you know the sunflower has sort of become the, the hidden disability symbol I suppose yeah definitely Craig I think like you know you know, like, yeah. you know I put at the bottom there and you put that in as well is you know we need to normalise disability signs and what I mean by that is the signs of the international symbol you know change that you know do keep the wheelchair there absolutely have that wheelchair moving but also have somebody who just look just there do you know yeah. what I mean just 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 a, a very much a person because a person can have a disability without having to rely on a device isn't it and that's what we need to we need to change do you know what I mean absolutely I think like I, I, one thing I'm really pleased like you know anybody who knows me and particularly Greg because I was going about it knows what a huge Witcher fan I am you know I've read all the books I've played all the games currently watched the series and one thing I was really angry about last season I was speaking to you about it, Craig wasn't I is they didn't put Geralt's disability in now in the books mm-hmm. Geralt has suffers from chronic pain mm-hmm. um, something I've always related to him with because I also had chronic pain mm-hmm. um, and last season it wasn't in the books uh, sorry it wasn't in the series I was really angry about it and I was like this needs to be in such a huge part of Geralt's character this mm-hmm. season they put it in and they did say they were like wait give us give us time we are getting it we've not forgotten about it it's mm-hmm. coming so it's really nice to see Geralt who's such a force of nature this huge you know, this huge hulking man who this, this monster slayer who you know this, this genetic mutation who also struggles do you know what I mean yeah absolutely and actually just while we're on the topic of which I don't know if I've told mm-hmm. you but one Go of on. my favourite actresses Liz is um, mm-hmm. going to be in the Witcher series oh fantastic she was a pathologist in Silent Witness fantastic uh, so that's, that's good that's good so you, that's the reason for you to watch it isn't it Craig it is it's one of the reasons I need to watch it but and I also need to catch up yeah absolutely but as I was saying in terms of like other statistics we've got like there are estimated 9 million deaf or hard of hearing people in the UK yeah. that's a lot of people it's a lot isn't it a lot of people what's it though? only half of all deaf or hard hearing people in the UK are working age adults as well mm, yeah approximately 2 million people in the country are using hearing aids, mm. whether they identify as deaf or hard of hearing or not over 800 babies in the UK are born deaf each year and most mm-hmm. of them to hearing parents which is interesting wow. 
And so there are wheelchair wheelchair is used by an, an estimated 1.2 people in the UK. Is that 1.2 people? Does that mean like one in every two people? Is that what I mean? Yes, I think so. Also, if you left off like million or something like that, I was like, I was like, does he, he mean like one and a half people using a wheelchair? <laughs> <laughs> like you're loading the wheelchair out or something? Can you be half a person? I don't know. Uh, well, you got, yeah, I guess so. I would, I would more than accept that. I, I was thinking more like with this government that what they've probably done is now made people share wheelchairs, haven't they? You know, <laughs> kick costs down. Probably. <laughs> I mean, we saw we saw what happened last year, didn't they? With uh, I know I know we're talking about visible illnesses here, but you know, with with physical disabilities, they put the DNR on them, didn't they? You know, if they come in with COVID, you did not resuscitate them. Yeah, and I suppose yeah. in in some ways, COVID in itself is an invisible illness because mm-hmm. it's transmitted through the air. Mm-hmm. Out of interest, Greg, do you think long COVID could be an invisible uh, disability because it's something people can't get rid of, isn't it? I would say that it has the potential to be considered as such. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Interesting thought, isn't it? It is. It really is. Yeah. Interesting. Oh, really? Yeah. So obviously, I know we've kind of gone through that now. We've kind of gone through statistics, and we've spoken kind of heavily on kind of types of invisible disabilities, and obviously representations. And I suppose, I suppose, kind of what might be helpful for the reader, Craig. I mean, obviously, you'll come to it. Well, maybe we should discuss our own invisible disabilities. Sure, sure. I'm, I'm happy to discuss my uh, mental health and also my visual impairment. I suppose, sure. in some way, it's a bit of a giveaway that I wear glasses <laughs> that I've got a visual impairment. But, uh, what, so do you want to uh, do, do you want to go first? Do you want me to go first? What would you? Prefer? I'll leave the reins on. I don't mind. I really don't mind. Don't be that guy. Come on. What oh, do you want to okay. go first? Well, I can go first. Yeah. I go on, then. First. Go ahead. So my invisible... he, lo- he loves the spotlight, dear listener. He loves the spotlight. I'll speak to you later. <laughs> <laughs> go on. Anyway, go on. Uh, so my invisible disabilities are my mental health and my visual impairment for those of you that don't know i struggle with depression and anxiety and and intrusive thoughts they are very challenging and sometimes it's very difficult to be inside my own head i actually do take medication for my mental health and the vaccine six 365 milligram a day and propanol 10 milligram a day you mean propanol that's the one one. i wasn't i wasn't correcting that by the way i was just just, was like have i got that name wrong no it is propanol right that's the one that's to sort of like reduce the physical symptoms of anxiety yeah uh, so do you find yeah. that helps craig i mean do you find that i suppose that's our first question my other question was going to be do you feel that people ever discriminate against you for your invisible illness or do you, have you ever felt that at all or? um i'm not really open with people about my invisible sure. illness as much really and yet here i am part of half of a podcast that deals with invisible <laughs> illnesses and disabilities. yeah you threw yourself in the deep end there didn't you do, do you know what i mean like I, i'm well, I, I suppose i am open about it but i haven't really found any sort of discrimination from it other than perhaps the older generation shockingly shockingly yes um, uh, that, that I find the older generation struggle to understand what have you got to be depressed about yeah. what what are you worried about why are you anxious sometimes it's just not that easy no. to say you know I'm finding this overwhelming right now this is like really mm-hmm. debilitating for me and my brain is telling me all sorts of things and you can't hear what's going on inside my head I don't hear voices but I have like very intrusive thoughts um, and they often tell me that I am a bad person, which is not a nice thing to be told. <laughs> no, of course not. It's horrible. And um, is that something you've had for a long time or when did you kind of first start were you? The risk of sounding like a psychiatrist. Well, you're one step away, aren't you? You're a counsellor. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, yeah, about a few steps. Go on. Um, I don't know. I suppose really started maybe when I was younger. I always thought that I was in the way. Mm-hmm. I always feel like physically in the way 
like awful um, and that that has sort of just it's been internalised and it's challenging to sort of I always think oh you're in the way you know stop being in the way or people in the past have also said I'm in the way and yes they haven't meant it as they've intended it but it's that's how it's come across and it sort of just stuck with me and there have been various points throughout my personal development this year where I've sort of reflected on my own behaviour and my own actions and I've started sort of like internally beating myself up for that and this can be really challenging you, your brain can be your own worst enemy so to speak and that's it's hard really it's ironic as well because it's your big brain that's got you so much success in life as well isn't it it, it sometimes feels like it's the I don't know what the right word is the, 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 the sword what's the term for a sword a double edged sword double edged sword I feel like it's a double edged yeah. sword doesn't it of where it's yeah. brilliant in one way but in another way it's almost like it's failing I think they call that the sword of Damocles don't they yes you sort of get stabbed either way <laughs> <laughs> so yeah that, it can be really challenging and my visual impairment is something I've had to cope with for years so for those that don't know um, I can't see curbs live it or not so that is curbs in the road the curbs road. in the road yeah. so that is why I always ask you Callum whenever we're out and about we've not been out and about two years due to Covid but yeah. whenever we're out and about I always ask you is that a step or is it a ramp and I always lie to him he does and it makes me panic greatly when I'm going over the edge of the curb but no it's it's that is something I find particularly difficult and in terms of like reading for example I struggle with small print and it is something that I always have struggled with and I've needed support with enlargement documents and things like that and that's taken many many years to sort of deal with that Uh, particularly when I was doing my masters it's not easy to enlarge documents as one my think um because it involves a lot of text editing <laughs> so i almost have to spend double the time on that well, it must be really frustrating way because i suppose again Craig, that comes back to the idea that the world isn't made for somebody with a physical disability i don't talk about it visible but in terms of in terms of the physical side of it i imagine it's like well courses don't make paper like that isn't it when it should be that like that already should absolutely I, I completely agree and uh, it's not so much courses it's more like I don't know it's more like publishers sure yeah. and, and yes there are specialist publishers out there that have adaptations of books and things but all that costs oh, yes yeah. while that service is free you know some of the academic books if you're an academic like myself you want to keep the book for yourself and not return it so like have pet books on the shelves and things but remind me when you next come round, I will show you what kind of text I need and how it can be, how it's done, sort of thing. Um, I had one of the most helpful publishers was actually our university publisher. Um, okay. I it's a it's a one woman show that publisher it's run by Literally. a woman called Sarah um, who is a lovely lovely person and she painstakingly spent time editing books or one or two books from the publishing catalogue so that I could actually access them independently. Um, so when, with your disability, Craig, with the visual side of it, can you physically not see the print? Is that, is that basically what it is? Or, or can you see it it's very can, blurred? I can, or? I can see it, but it's very small and very blurred. And my eyes get tired very quickly, mm-hmm. very quickly. Um, that makes sense. And even with corrective glasses, it's hard to focus for a long period of time on text on the screen, for example. So if you read text off the screen um, when it's too small it can be really like hard to see you have to squint and stuff yeah. uh, so that's why it's easier to read large print um, mm-hmm. and also audiobooks are a favourite of mine I, I have copious amount of audiobooks via Audible we're not uh, sponsored here but <laughs> not yet not yet uh, but our speaking of Audible our podcast is available on Audible 
It is indeed. Yeah, so I only found that out the other week. I didn't know it was, but it is. So. Did you not know that? I actually knew that, believe it or not. I didn't know that. So no, that. if somebody's got an <laughs> Alexa shame. and just say, play the therapy files, Alexa, it will pop up. And you'll hear our beautiful voices, won't you, Craig? Indeed, indeed. Anyway. On a final, on another note, Craig, <laughs> um, in terms of, if you don't mind me asking, sure. in, in terms of, you know, you spoke about being in the way and stuff like that. Was that something in your childhood then, or was it something more in your adolescence? Or Perhaps it was. Perhaps it was. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a lot of unresolved issues in my life. Uh, we'd be we here, all do. We'd be here for hours, Callum, if, if, um, <laughs> if we spoke about this for a, a long time but yeah I suppose it was from my childhood sort of mm-hmm. feeling like a, in the way and requiring support to move around and stuff like mm-hmm. that and yeah technically it wasn't a hidden disability but it's it's sort of anxiety and it created one though didn't it it did yeah yeah it did and also I suppose mental health and grief is a hidden yeah. disability we can't see grief we can express grief, but we can't see mm-hmm. it. Mm, so. Which has obviously played a huge part in your own life, hasn't it? It has, it has. Um, so yeah, I'd be more than happy to go into more detail at some point about my own mental health. Absolutely. Problems, but now is not the right time, I don't think. Of course, absolutely. Mm-hmm. So tell me, Callum, life with bipolarity and chronic pain, when's your new novel coming out? <laughs> yeah, look, there's a whole race. It's interesting. Um, I've done a lot of kind of speak. I've spoke a little bit on my bipolarity, and obviously, it's not a hidden secret or anything like that. But for myself, I was obviously, I don't really, I may or not, may not know. I may have mentioned this once in the past or twice. I was really badly bullied as a child, Craig. Did you know that? No way. Why didn't you say something? No, it's almost like I've never spoken about that, isn't it? Anyway, never mind. You wrote an entire book like on it, everybody. Yeah, you an entire doctor on it. Never mind that. Yeah. Yes, um, <laughs> so, anyway, we, I suppose, through the bullying, I was diagnosed in my adolescence with Asperger's syndrome. I think I've spoken to you about it, but Asperger's syndrome. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it was about 14 then, which I, I obviously still have now. That's still that's still an ongoing invisible disability. And then obviously I've had a history of depression and anxiety through the trauma from when I was bullied. And then as I got older, um, the symptoms were a lot more extreme, manifesting differently. Um, so I went to my doctors. Uh, I was referred on to a psychiatrist who then ran a few tests uh, and it came back. Obviously they were like, yeah, you've, you've got bipolarity, um, otherwise known as bipolar disorder or manic depression. Um, what kind of tests did they run for bipolarity? So, so it wasn't like it wasn't like a brain scan or anything like that. It was more it was more like you basically go, you 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 fill out a chart, basically what, what your mood is, what what kind of things you do. You have an assessment with a mental health nurse, an assessment with a mental health obviously a psychiatrist. You talk about your life, you talk about your behaviour. Um, a lot of it's centered around your behaviour, Craig, as opposed to your moods. You do speak about your moods, but it's more centered on kind of behaviour. Um, and kind of like things that came up for me were things like I always feel like um, I've always had this god complex where I feel like everything's about myself. I often do things where I will... Um, <laughs> yeah, interesting, isn't it? I'll often do things where I won't think of the... Re- I'm a lot better now because I've got it, I'm using medication, but I would do things where I would kind of do things and then not think about the repercussions for other people. Mm-hmm. I would also kind of overspend, and even though I knew I didn't have the money for it, and I, you know, I knew that there was consequences to that, but didn't care. Again, that's completely fine now. It was nipped in the bud at the right time. And I think ultimately kind of those behaviours that kind of put two and two together and like through this trauma, it's, it's highly likely you probably got manic depression as opposed to as I would say bog standard depression because all depression serious but they were kind of basically just like yeah you've got you've got kind of manic depression um, mm. and but now I take 
medication for that now. Obviously, man- I manage it day to day. It's massive the ass. It's also a massive blessing to have it. It's, it helps me work. It helps me, you know, maintain a really good working e- work ethic and things like that. I can manage and juggle a lot of things, but it's hard. And you know, I manage it day to day. Um, and it's it's a blessing and a curse, I suppose you could call it. Get what mm. I mean. And with your chronic pain, where does that come into it? Yeah, I was diagnosed recently this year with fibromyalgia, which obviously. Oh, have they, they actually got? A, yeah, yeah, it's diagnosed now. I thought I mentioned it. I've not mentioned it to you. Yeah, I've diagnosed yeah. fibromyalgia. Um, <laughs> and basically, I was having a lot of pain this year. Well, I've been having a lot of pain throughout my life. I left it and wrongly, like you do, because we're northern and you know, northern people never go to the hospital, do they? And kind of ended up having this whole array of blood stone and tests. And at first, we were testing things like MS and uh, motor neurons disease, which obviously I've got nothing against anybody with those kind of conditions. But obviously, when you hear those kind of words being thrown out there, it's quite quite concerning, as, as I'm sure that, that, that they found as well. Um, I was tested for lupus as well, um, whole, whole array of illnesses. Um, and they were basically all came back negative and then what they do with fibromyalgia Craig when, when nothing comes back they say that's, that it's fibromyalgia which otherwise it's just chronic pain and it was probably brought on by the death of my friend earlier in this year that's where they think it's kind of been really because I've always had pain but never unbearable pain I had my friend died earlier this year and um, they, think, they think that it was probably linked to that that kind of made it kind of fire to the surface if you get really? what I mean mm, definitely well fibromyalgia is linked to grief actually Craig interestingly is it? yeah it's not always not always but that. it can be it can be yeah, by trauma mm, interesting that's very interesting I mean I'm, I'm sorry you're going through it but it's not the same very interesting um, yeah. and yeah um, I was going to say something then. I think that in regarding the bipolarity Craig I, mean, I must admit like kind of reflecting back through my life it's cost me a lot of friendships it cost me a lot of relationships with people yeah definitely you know particularly through college I did things that I wasn't very proud of and um, looking back I mean it still doesn't excuse my behaviour but looking back I can see oh that's what that was do you know what I mean because, mm. because of that kind of I had no kind of comprehension of repercussions and that might come true to the Asperger's as well because obviously we have an Asperger's syndrome I do struggle socially at times to, to get on social cues and stuff like that so probably all is kind of inter- interlinked isn't it I, I would imagine it would be and um, I thought you had also got a diagnosis of autism yes Asperger's oh is autism and Asperger's the same thing yeah well it's not the same thing it's, it's I, a bright well technically it would realize, be autism sorry no it's okay uh, so technically, uh, yeah, because they don't diagnose Asperger's anymore. So yeah, technically, I would come under autistic. Um, mm-hmm. But at the time, I was diagnosed with Asperger's syndrome, which is is is, is yeah, it's, it's similar to it's not exactly the same, but it's very similar. But now they don't they don't diagnose it anymore. So I just come under uh, on autism autism on on the spectrum. That's really interesting. I I didn't know. I, I thought they were two separate things entirely. Nope. I'm sorry. Nope. Thank you for no, that. Okay. Yeah. I mean, they are separate things entirely, but but they are on the same same spectrum. If you get what I mean. Cool. That's cool. I was going to ask you something else but i can't remember what it was if i think about it i will ask you later <laughs> um after the podcast is finished obviously um yes and i won't answer that's fine you had your chance <laughs> don't worry i can ask you when it when i next see you in person tomorrow <laughs> yes indeed um we're gonna have a little pre-christmas shindig here listening mm, he's gonna drink shandy because <laughs> he's called shandy pants do you actually drink shandy craig i know i always call you it but do you actually drink shandy i've had it once or twice yeah you've had it once or twice so you do you are actually shandy pants then Okay, that's fine. Um, so, yeah, so I suppose that leads us to being, how can we be more inclusive around mm-hmm. 
invisible disabilities Mm -hmm. and how can we help people to realize that invisible disabilities do matter particularly when working with clients for example definitely i suppose i suppose that's i mean to be fair when working with clients craig i've always found they kind of come hand in hand if you get what i mean but i know there are therapists out there that probably aren't as um, left-wing as i am shall we say it's very important that we take into account things like chronic pain you know it's very important that we we make sure our rooms are as as accessible as possible and um, as comfortable as possible uh, particularly things like autism and you know you can have things like sensory overload for example so it's important not to have too massive bright colors and you know make make sure the room presentable and nice and that but don't like make it overbearingly bright and things like that you know mm-hmm. you know and um i suppose like in terms of when we're in the room if somebody's in pain it's about realizing you know what can we do for you in them moments and things like that isn't it yeah absolutely you know? in the wider workplace do you think there needs to be more kind of awareness maybe what's from visible disabilities hugely hugely um, <laughs> yes there's things like mental health awareness week and stuff but yeah. as we've been saying it's not all mental health no it could be things like arthritis or cancer even mm-hmm. because somebody if somebody has cancer you can't necessarily see it you no. know they might have lymphoma or a blood cancer you know that's a hidden disability mm-hmm. or a hidden illness and i suppose you might need things like changing working patterns you know you can't yeah. always work nine to five <coughs> or you might need to alter you might need to work part-time or mm-hmm. from a different location it just so happens that because of COVID, the entire world has caught on to the fact that everybody can work in different locations. Absolutely. It feels it's weird, isn't it? It's almost like, yay, finally, guys, you caught up. Yeah, absolutely. As as my current workplace is saying, go. Work is not somewhere you go, but work is something you do. <laughs> so it's not that, a bad philosophy, is it? It is not a bad philosophy at all. It does make it flexible and manageable. And also like having flexi time available. That is mm-hmm. a massive help to people who have like eye strain computers for example yeah. or having regular breaks put in place one thing i found really good craig one of the schools i, I, I can't say the name but one of the schools that oh. i counsel at they have a uh, a well-being room where the kids can go if they're struggling which i thought was really cool i think that's brilliant i think that's you amazing know? i think one of my last workplaces um the last workplace i was at prior to this one also had a well-being room for staff where they that's could really good. sit in i mean it was a small room but at least mm-hmm. it was there uh, you could it's a room isn't it sit in there for five minutes and just just chill out yeah that's really i think that's really good and i think that it's about just changing the narrative around invisible disabilities isn't it and making them as important as physical disabilities and Mm. changing that representation do you know what i mean just like it is with physical disabilities we need to change that representation and go actually these disabilities really matter Mm. and they're very important yeah i do know that there has been a lot of representation going on around disability but i would like to see a lot more around invisible disability and i did stop to think when you showed me these notes i was like "Mm, i don't recognize writing that as a paper or a book Uh, but there is a article or a a book out there called images of an invisible disability hearing limitations (laughs) by johnson by johnson 2017 not me Uh, (laughs) um, he wishes it was yeah i do but it's not so Whoever you are that wrote it, congratulations. I'm very proud of you. And he's going to he's gonna sue you for plagiarising his name. <laughs> Hardly. Uh, but I've also noticed that, that there was a film out recently, I say recently, meaning the last three, four years, mm-hmm. um, around uh, um, one of the main characters was hearing impaired 
and it was a horror movie. Okay. I oh, was this was this Hush? Hush was, was it? it? Was it Hush? Yeah, the it, one where? Yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was. I've seen that. It's on Netflix, isn't it? I haven't seen it, but apparently it's quite scary. But yeah, it, she's brilliant in it. Uh, I don't mean that because she's disabled, by the way. I mean she's brilliant. In the acting's really good. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. I wasn't doing um, that. And you know, like the, the usual kind of oh, well done. You know, we spoke about this, haven't we? That kind of uh, yeah. patronising appraisal. Never say well done to a client. Yes, absolutely, particularly a disabled clients. Well, indeed. <laughs> um, I'm just thinking I could have got my friend Cat on to talk about invisible disabilities and I didn't even think about that because my dear friend Kat has got lupus um, so we'll have to get her on at some point and she can do an episode around lupus she's also got mental health issues um, yeah. so maybe she'll talk about those next time sure. so maybe sure. we could do a part two of invisible disabilities at some point in history kind of come back to it definitely it is something we've said even though know, this miniseries is coming to an end um, it's still going to be something we, we touch touch back on because it's so important you know yeah absolutely you know it's like a cornerstone you, you can't look at a person or a client without considering their age their gender their possible sexuality or their possible disability because it is all part of them we have to be intersectional with our clients we have to consider everything from each possible angle and how it might affect them um, and i suppose how else we can make it more inclusive be kind be yeah. understanding educate listen. yourself yeah listen read a book person's telling you something yeah definitely listen. don't make assumptions isn't it mm. or if in doubt simply ask you know yeah definitely that's the best way to be and i think that that's a good place we can end this craig and i think it's been a really good episode and a nice way to finish off a lovely successful year of the therapy files but also a very productive and very nice mini series yes I quite agree. So all that remains is for us to wish you a very Merry Christmas and a very Happy New Year. And we understand that this time of year can be challenging for some. And if you need additional support, you can check out our episode on mental health and Christmas, which I we need to reshare that as well. We'll reshare that. that as well. We'll reshare yeah. that. Yeah, absolutely. It was a good episode, but I enjoyed it was it, a very good episode. It was a very good episode. And we, we will share additional support links that are available as well. Thank you very much, guys. Thanks so much. Bye.